Hey guys, and welcome to Who Watches the Watchers. This is Kenny. Uh, this is Ian. And uh, today we're going to be talking about a little Hellboy. Yeah, the Hell, the Hellmaster himself. Yeah, my favorite Ron Perlman role, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's uh, Hellboy's The Right Hand of Doom yep. by uh, Mike Mignola mm-hmm. and what colored by Dave Stewart. Yeah. Awesome. Which, I did you read the in-betweens of all the stories? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay, cool. Because, the- like, a lot of this stuff first appeared storyless yeah. or not colorless sorry colorless and like kind of all over the place from mm-hmm. what those little descriptions and it's kind of crazy to think about how long hellboy's been around yeah when you read some of the timestamps on the things that you know mike mignola talks about in those little things mm-hmm. um but yeah no this was cool this was something you recommended to me you know yes. i didn't really know what i was getting into i knew we were going to be reading hellboy but i didn't realize it was going to be like these eight little kind of mini stories yeah that we got ourselves into so it's pretty neat yeah you want to list them yeah i'll go over the names so yeah like list I said, them backwards it's good yeah it was in eight. chronological order in I guess according to Hellboy's timeline. Yeah, so we can talk about him. Yeah, invert inverto. Um, so the, the it's gonna go box full of evil. Uh huh. The right hand of doom. Ooh. The Varkalok. I looked that up, so I would say it right. Oh, okay. Goodbye, Mister Todd. Uh huh. Heads. Mm. King Vold. Ooh. The nature of the beast. And pancakes, <laughs> which is a beautiful way to start this book. Yeah, absolutely, it was, <laughs> and, and I like that it kind of comes before any explanation of what this book is so yeah. you're just kind of like what am i reading right now <laughs> <laughs> no yeah it's very good um it's kid hellboy he's two years old and he tries pancakes for the first time yeah it's only like what two pages yeah it's literally two pages it's just two pages yeah i mean a bunch of panels but just two pages yeah and uh yeah it's really hellboy as a little kid trying pancakes and not wanting to at first yeah. and then, yeah. <laughs> they're just like no just try them he wanted hot noodles <laughs> um but yeah from there it goes on to the nature of the beast i'm looking at the book right now because i've kind of forgotten the first couple of stories um like king vold and the nature of the yeah. beast and so yeah i kind of lo- wrote even little synopsises right here so we could kind of yeah uh, remember what exactly was going on and so what the fun thing about the end of pancakes is that you know as soon as he takes a bite and likes them that we see all the beasts of oh, hell just yeah. shouting and screaming <laughs> and they're like what's going on or like he has tried pancakes yeah we've lost him forever <laughs> you know is that something along those lines but this is all part of part one it's um the early years is what it's I guess, considered. And so I guess in, yeah, in Pancakes, he's two years old. And then in The Nature of the Beast, he's like, I don't know, like 15 maybe? Yeah. Because like the the idea is that he grew up very fast. Yeah, like he aged to like a full-size man yeah. pretty early on, but then like s- stopped there. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you feel about The Nature of the Beast? This is cool. The, this story is where the lilies grow, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. one thing I noticed about a lot some of these stories is that he pull, they're pulled from different like Mythologies. Uh, mythologies from different religions. And so this was kind of like leaning into, I think, the more like Nordic side of I things think so. for sure. Uh, it was the story it was about. And I thought the idea of like a hero that, you know, bleeds and lilies grow from his blood was such yeah. a night like a cool, like kind of classic story, you know, yeah. of like a, someone who slayed a mighty beast or something, you know. 
in this um, story, uh, we get a dragon. Yeah, it's just like a crazy short fight with like a dragon within <laughs> up against like a statue with a giant yeah. sword. And I love that they uh, call it a worm. Mm-hmm. I think it's is it Celtic or is it British or is it Nordic? I, it it yeah. doesn't really matter. It's, it doesn't really. It's matter. one of those Anglo's. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Exactly. I mean, realistically, <laughs> that is. And uh, but it's so cool. It's it's I love uh, Magnolia's art yeah, it's in this. England in 1954. Okay. So yeah. But um, I love that they call the dragon a worm. Yeah. No, I mean, this was the first real Hellboy thing I kind of sat down and read in like an entirety like this. And Mm -hmm. it really gives you just a love for Mignola's art and the simplicity of his storytelling. You know what I mean? That he definitely keeps it short and he keeps it uh, very uh, lack of dialogue. You know what I mean? Everything's just very visual. No, Um, yeah. He's, he's a, he, he loves to, you can tell that he, he probably does a lot of, storyboarding first before mm-hmm. he really sits down and scripts it Absolutely. you know what i mean yeah um but and, yeah this i love this first story the nature of the beast and so the king volt story was one i kind of liked a lot too because it's something i felt like could be put to screen in kind of a cool way just the in like a short like a cool yeah. little short animation or something where it's uh you know him being uh sent to go help a good friend of trevor uh how would you say I don't know, but it's... Bruton Holm. Yeah, yeah, it's just his his dad. Yeah, I mean, it's the dad character, essentially. Yeah, the guy who saved him. Um, And so... You know, it's him being sent to go help a friend of his uh-huh. uh, who, I guess, like tracks down these mythical creatures or beings that appear around the world. Yeah. And so, we, you know, it's like under pretense of like helping him do good but what we find out later on is that he's just trying to get money off of a... Yeah. You know, a, a, a king's dead, you know, uh, spirit. Uh, and so I thought that it was like really neat that like the 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 deed you have to do in order to get the gold is take care of one of his wolves mm-hmm. and then it like transforms into like a lichen you know human monster you yeah. know basically over time and it tries to so kill cool. you and yeah there's just so many cool panels of it transforming in the fight with Hellboy and I like that we got to see Hellboy like bleeding out and yeah. kind of like <laughs> on his toes you know it's, I think out of all of these these issues it's the most we kind of see him get his ass kicked um, um, I think yeah no definitely um, this is. I think in the description, uh, he says that he, Mike Mignola made this story for this collection. Mm-hmm. Like he, I think he pieced this in right here. I think there's only one other instance, and that's like the epilogue at the very end. Yeah, the very very end. Um, but let's let's compare these three stories right here at the beginning because yeah. after that we get into the middle years. Yeah. Um, which of these do you feel like stands out the most? Which ones of these would you show to? I guess someone who is new to Hellboy or is interested in getting into Hellboy. Well, what's funny is they're obviously so incredibly different yeah. from each other and in, even in different in length. I mean, that's, I think that's how this whole kind of thing is set up where we go from essentially one of the shortest stories to the longer ones, obviously, right. towards the end. Um, but I think Pancakes is just a beautiful, hey, you want to see like yeah. a hilarious little story? <laughs> um, that you I, think, I think with Pancakes, you kind of have to have a little bit of knowledge of Hellboy beforehand, which is just, you know, that he lives on a military base and he's part of the government in yeah, some sort of that's totally fair. facet. You know what I mean? Um, but I think either of the other two would be kind of good. Um, I think King Vold gives you a lot of context. Of, it gives you more context on what's going on. It introduces right. Trevor. It kind of gives you the idea that's that true. he's being sent on missions through... Um, Oh my gosh, what are they called? The BPRD. The BPRD, thank yeah. you. Blank for a Bureau second. of Paranormal Research and Development. I can't believe I'm not wearing my Hellboy shirt right now. I've literally <laughs> failed this podcast today. Normally my no, shirts you, are on theme. Hold on, hold on. Now you you put it on. You oh, just yeah. took off your shirt and put on the, the Hellboy there shirt. Look at that. Amazing. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> what's it called? Um, 
and so I think, yeah, Nature of the Beast is good because it's it's something that's very lack of dialogue. It's just very stimuli, you know, enjoying, yeah. and it's very just Monster Hunter. It's very yeah. Witcher esque, you know. There's yeah. not a lot of explanation on why he's there and why he's doing it. It's just like, hey, Monster Hunter, go kill this beast, and we get to see that experience. So I think all of them have their charms, but I think maybe you're right. The pancakes does take a little bit of uh, yeah, just like a, a tiny little, bit. little bit of knowledge about Hellboy. Yeah, but I think any Hellboy, I, I feel like I could post those two pages anywhere and people would love you know be yeah, able to enjoy true. them or you know like anybody could see that and be like oh that's a good story yeah um i th- i do like king vold a lot i th- mm-hmm. i think that that one has a true arc mm-hmm. you know what i mean you see a character actually develop or or you see a character learn a lesson mm-hmm. in the story whereas like nature of the beast is neat and pancakes just Mm-hmm. funny and good you but know? even though wholesome nature of the beast does have a little bit of an ominous ending you know they leave you oh, very yeah, open-ended true. with the fact that they obviously have some you know something to do with hellboy or yeah some they interest want in him. something yeah. about hellboy yeah for yeah. sure and he's got the blood that grows lilies now <laughs> is it because he killed the worm that's what i have to guess yeah, yeah. Um, and then after that, we get into the middle years. Is that yeah. what he calls it? Let me see. He called, yeah, the middle the years. The middle years. And we have heads. Goodbye, Mr. Todd. I guess I didn't even click that. Obviously, the, those were supposed to be younger aged uh-huh. Hellboy stories. And that these are like, I didn't even click that the middle years meant like the middle of his life. Yeah. Well, how do You're, you say the vampire? You said the Varkalok? Yeah, the Varkalok. It's oh, about okay. how it's how it's spelled. And it's, it's a vampire. Yeah. It's a giant vampire that ate the sun and the moon. And so, yeah, I literally looked at the <laughs> mythology of that name, and they're uh-huh. they're basically either represented as werewolves or vampires. I mean, they kind of are a mixture of who you're talking to. They'll be kind of one of those things or the yeah. other. But yeah, it's just a ginormous dragonite-looking vampire, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did you... Let's, let's talk about Heads. So Heads is... He says in the description, Mike Mignola, that he didn't know very much about Japan, <laughs> so he was... He was nervous on doing this. This story. I love the on the transparency. In yeah, that. Um, and so yeah, this one takes place in Japan. Oh, I I also love that he tells you what year like all of this stuff happens. Like this is Japan, nineteen fifty seven. Honestly, the way Mike Mignola draws, I think he should have drawn anime in a way. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Okay, I I had something I wanted to say about that. So. You know, I've read a little bit of Hellboy here and there. This uh-huh. is the first time, like like yourself, where I sat down and read like a collection of Hellboys. Yeah, and I noticed that Hellboy or Mike Mignola, it, he draws like Jack Kirby, but like if Jack Kirby was born in hell, <laughs> like <laughs> okay, like if if Jack Kirby was Hellboy, that's yeah. how Mike Mignola draws. I love that. And it, you see a lot of that with like the action and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's I just love this artwork so much. He he the the blacks are so stark and important to the story because you can tell a lot of this is done in a cartoonist style beforehand, yeah. where it's just black and white. Yeah, you, you can know tell what I mean? some of this was never meant to be colored in a way, or at least not immediately colored. Yeah, because yeah, I mean he he probably didn't know Hellboy was going to be this gigantic thing yeah. for him. Like this is his cash cow forever, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you imagine being back in the '90s when he's first like really pushing this character yeah. out, and he's just like, I don't, I don't know if people are even gonna <laughs> like these short comics about a demon. Yeah. A demon detective a demon detective he's so fucking dope i love hellboy i do love hellboy too and i love his his uh his kind of like very cool guy attitude mm. in the comic books i think it translates super well I, to I like, like that yeah he has a cool head mm-hmm. and he he um he 
he he he can make jokes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he's not like a stickler or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's he laughs in the face of danger, but not like like hysterically. You know, yeah. more just like oh well, this is happening to me now. You yeah. Know? Um, but this story heads. It takes place in Japan, 1957, <laughs> and I guess this is also based on mythology of these heads that would float around and eat bugs or something like that i think they're trying to eat him well yeah no but i think in in mike mignola's description he said i left about just everything in except for the insect eating parts or something like that um but yeah i mean the the hellboy is kind of wandering through japan we don't explicitly know why um but someone invites him into his house to like stay before it gets dark or whatever and uh from there you meet a group of people and they say one of the guys tells a funny story let me read it real quick yeah read the story <laughs> cuz the 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 host of the of the group cuz like all of these people are supposed to be wanderers or at least that's what the the owner of the home makes it seem like but he mentions that there's one guy Mr. Lou who tells, who tells funny stories okay so <laughs> let me tell the story that Mr. Lou tells um A farmer met a ghost woman, and she gave him a golden box, but said, You must never open this. He took it home and hid it from his wife, but one day she found it and looked inside. It was full of gouged-out human eyes, and at that moment, the farmer dropped dead in his field. The wife went mad and lived uh, the rest of her days like an animal. The end. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Hellboy is just kind of like, wow, that is a funny story. <laughs> you just, <laughs> you know, I just realized I'm, I'm awfully tired. <laughs> like, like, all right, yeah. cool. Well, that was fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny because he's a demon. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm not fucking with these guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, obviously, they're fucking nuts. Yeah. Oh, God. That was so good. When I was reading that, I thought I fucking busted out laughing. Like, anybody else would have been kind of terrified by that story or something. And he's just like, I'm not even going to. Yeah, I'm getting away from that. There are these panels in this story explicitly heads that it it does it a couple of times within the story where Mm -hmm. it shows demon artwork or Oni ask artwork within the walls of the but then right next to it it'll show a pit of the same kind of panel but of hellboy oh, yeah it's like kind of like mm, yeah i'm always going to be like part of that you know what i mean like and then it does it again at the very very end where you see a statue of an oni and then hellboy and the colors Oh man, the colors that that Dave Stewart does in this book—it's Dave Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. It's just fucking beautiful. No, and you're like, right, and that's once again that very um, just visual dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're saying you're so good at reading it out in that way that yeah, we exactly <laughs> we get that kind of he's always just going to be part of it. You know, yeah, like haunted by it almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but heads is visually a fucking tour de force in my opinion. Yeah, like, was- I love seeing the 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 different heads floating around like because yeah we find out all those wandering people are they're just they just leave their husks of bodies away and just float around with their sharp ass piranha well and that's what i think is so funny is that his first thing reaction is like well gonna fuck with them and he just throws all their (laughs) bodies in the lake and so they all freak out because they don't have any bodies to attach to anymore but then we get to see the gun wielding hellboy which we Mm -hmm. also don't really get to see a lot in the rest of these kind of issues and we finally get to see him pull out those guns and just start blowing heads away that are just (laughs) floating around him and i thought that was so badass you know like what a fight you know yeah oh but it's it's a fucking 
It's so good looking. And then I guess they're much like vampires where they can't be in the sun. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of how. Like ghouls. Yeah. You know, I feel like that kind of associates to a lot of like <laughs> just ghouls. Um, and then from there we go to Goodbye Mr. Todd. Um, and this one is pretty I, dope. I know. I love the art particularly. Do you want to kind of break down the story a little bit? Yeah. So Mr. Todd, we're basically seeing that Hellboy has been sent on a mission in 1979. So he's yeah. definitely quite a bit older at this point. It's like yes. over 20 years from the Heads incident. And he's in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So hey, very uh, very progressive there, uh, Hellboy. <laughs> um, but he's going to visit a seance called the Amazing Todd. Yeah. And, we see and it's, he, like a, it's like a, he's like a medium? Yeah, or? he's like a medium. Yeah. He like summons the, you know, the spirits, you know. Okay, yeah. Uh, and so we see that it's actually his assistant that's summoned Hellboy and basically that like... Uh, Not literally summoned. Well, <laughs> like yeah. for anybody that doesn't know too much about Hellboy, okay. he doesn't like travel through... She has like requested for his help <laughs> in this situation. Yeah. No, I'm not correcting you. I'm just saying yeah. like, like for anyone that might be confused. She's doing demon circles on the floor, you know. <laughs> she's written... Come, Hellboy. <laughs> she's written with like sulfur on the ground. Exactly. And, and Hellboy is just like, I was in the middle of eating pancakes, pal. What the fuck? But anyway, she kind of goes on to explain that her boss has been kind of losing his powers over the years and so has been using medication to amplify his abilities, which is, you know, never a good situation. Uh-huh. And Hellboy literally says, like, should never use drugs. And so we finally get to see what her you know and through this we've been kind of seeing her boss and what his power looked mm-hmm. like and so we finally get the reveal of him and it's this just sick ass panel of just like i don't know just ectoplasm ectoplasm squid monster just oh, spilling so out dope. of him for a whole quarter of a page and it looks sick and he's like a decrepit version of himself basically like a this, skeleton yeah. this story to me it it makes me wonder um it, when it comes to the art style at least if this originally appeared in black and white mm-hmm. because it the ectoplasm is so starkly white compared to the rest of the colors. I wondered if that would have translated as well when it was black and white. You know what I mean? I feel like the colors help this story. Like really shine. It's like explicitly compared to a lot of the other stories. Um, but go on. No, and I could agree with that. But I really imagine it was probably like that stark or, you know, like mm-hmm. really like, uh, you know, white out white, you yeah. know, for that ectoplasm that just really made, maybe like glossy white. I guess yeah. you know what I mean. They probably made those parts shine on the page. I bet it still looked sick. Yeah. Um, but this is where I actually think this comic's cool. I, that's what I like about these. We get a little bit of different versions of Hellboy in yeah. every single one of these issues. And so this is where we kind of almost get like the the ghost hunter side of Hellboy where he's like, oh, well, I have these like natural ways to deal with these yeah. situations and what is it? it's the uh the arbutus yeah it's like a used. leaf yeah it's a plant that he burns uh-huh. um, to keep it away arbutus yeah used by ancient greeks and romans to chase away evil and protect small children that's what, it's a plant that you need to burn to do that and so he tries to light it uh-huh. and of course the ectoplasm <laughs> yanks him re- reacts and it <laughs> attacks him and so we get these kind of panels of you know them lighting the arbutus and then it reacting to it uh-huh. uh, and then uh, the amazing Todd just kind of blows up like a giant oh yeah he, like cause like yeah the arbutus like goes it make it forces the ectoplasm back into yeah, his body it like yeah sucks itself back into him and like turns him into just like a giant juggernaut of a guy <laughs> he's like a boulder yeah and, and then, then oh and it's also because it sucks, it sucks in, hellboy yeah. into it with him so that's it and so and then he finally explodes and it's just hellboy standing there <laughs> in the ashes of mr yeah. todd <laughs> it's like oh sorry about that yeah and he's just up oh, didn't mean to kill your boss <laughs> my bad um there's a there's a theme not a theme but there's a thing like an idea that this story kind of forefronts which is the idea of like the ectoplasm being 
like your body like it, it takes from your body as it grows bigger. Yeah. And so have you ever seen those like old ass photos of of like people doing ectoplasm in quotes? No, okay. So like back in like the 1800s mm-hmm. or something when they had like the the crazy photography with like the like the big ass cameras and yeah. shit. They would do like kind of like how we do modernly with like light capture where uh-huh. we like stop it and like force other light to like make like we draw out stuff yeah. and stuff like that they would do that but with like smoke and they would make it look like they would call it, that's where the idea of ectoplasm was kind of born was like these they create these effects of like uh, yeah like the smoky like globule liquid just kind of jets or not jets out but like releases out of your body Mm -hmm. but i love the idea of that like you need the like the will to have the the ectoplasm come out like if you if you're like sickly or something like that you're not going to be able to like expose the ectoplasm because your body doesn't have like the strength to you know what i mean and so i really love that idea that like this guy was like doing drugs that was like steroids and so like the ectoplasm just grew to be too like too wild yeah Yeah. exactly and i fucking i i dig that shit and it's represented so beautifully you know visually and so and what would probably happen to you if you kind of did this to yourself (laughs) it's that it would physically overwhelm your body and yeah it caused Hellboy to get sucked into you. <laughs> then you blow up. It it's such a good visual. I love it. But I I mean, and in these last two panels, I mean, same thing. I, is that yeah. I feel like that's Mr. Todd. What like kind of trapped? I think it's on like the other side. His, his poster or something like that. Oh, it's just of like, like the poster of him in the. It's end. like yeah, this was the man, but we didn't get to see him like that. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's it is like There's a deeper meaning. <laughs> maybe it is like Mr. Todd in hell. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. who knows. <laughs> Um, and then next we have the Varkalog. And I'm, this is actually the one, because this one I feel like has a little bit of like interpreting yes, to do to it. Right? For sure. Like, yeah, this you're... one is the one that maybe I don't truly understand the most, or you have to think, you know, you have to accept every panel as what it's feeding you mm-hmm. um, to fully get this one. But yeah, this is maybe the second longest story in this book. Mm-hmm. And this one takes place in, let me see, I'm going to look at the page. It takes place in Yorkshire in 1982. Mm-hmm. And so we start out with Hellboy outside of some castle, and there's like a, a dead man who's obviously been bitten by a vampire outside. Yeah. And he goes in, and he he's... stake in hand. <laughs> yeah, he knows that he's come here to slay this, this woman, this vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, does yeah, Her name Countess is e- Countess Elos- Ilona Krakowski. 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 Yeah. Um, and so he he's... He's explicitly come to kill her, and then she kind of like whammies him, mind whammies him, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> that's what he calls it. Yeah. <laughs> and so we see like the ground like break open, and they fall into like this big pit of like blood. And he comes out, and there's just these like mindless vampire, like Nosferatu type fuckers that like try to like consume Fucking him. Walking Dead looking motherfuckers, yeah. yeah, somewhere in between. They look so good. There's mm-hmm. the colors in this story is fucking dope because whenever there's like blood to be shown, it's everything else like pales in comparison yeah. you know what i mean it's nothing but grays and blacks and then red blood to yeah, really exactly. highlight it and yeah. like even hellboy's usually vibrant red is very faded and mm-hmm. and, and in in comparison and so like these these uh nosferatu fuckers turn into bats <laughs> nosferatu fuckers <laughs> <laughs> they turn into bats and the countess is just kind of commanding them as they like kick uh Hellboy's ass. And so it looks like this battle goes on all day and all night. And so finally 
she's like, look, look what I've summoned is the giant Varkalok, which is in mythology, he's a giant vampire that ate the sun mm-hmm. and the moon, or at least that's what Mike Mignola says in the mm-hmm. foreword. No, that is, yeah, what it yeah. is. It's so large it can consume the moon was the, right. was the mythology behind it, which I imagine meant more just like blocking it out with oh, its immense with size. With eclipse, you know? yeah. right, yeah. And so, like, he's basically the vampire of eclipses. If, if, ooh, that sounds kind of dope. Right. Is, that um, our, is that our metal band? <laughs> the, the vampire's eclipse. Um, dun, 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 but we, basically, we find out, Hellboy's like in awe of this thing but basically we find out that it was for sure a mind whammy as the as the varkalok comes closer and closer to to consuming hellboy he kind of awakens out of the the trance and then we see that the countess is still in her coffin yeah. all along yeah and so it's just a basically hypnosis exactly the whole yeah. thing and it, it's 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 a dope story because you have no idea what's fucking happening for the majority of it and it's not until the very end where you're just like okay yeah this you're is getting tricked the whole time yeah this is this is the mind whammy <laughs> i just love that yeah, you put a whammy on me and just, damn it <laughs> he, <laughs> re- like, he really says that huh yeah, yeah. just four <laughs> panels and we're done after that uh, once again, all of these stories end beautifully mm-hmm. and just like kind of like a That's, like a poetic. You could kind of throw any of these at somebody, you know, a single issue of any of these, and be like, read this, and they'll be like, oh, that was fun. You yeah. know what I mean? The short ones, the long ones, are really they're all kind of they're all great. Which is why this is a great collection. I think Mike Mignola obviously took his time, yeah, picking these stories to really represent Hellboy and make it something that the masses could kind of eat up you know i agree yeah i think out of like the collected editions Mm -hmm. i think this might be the third in order yeah i think he did this a few times right yeah (laughs) but regardless i think uh, i haven't read a lot of it but uh, maybe we should look into reading more hellboy i think this this collection is pretty fucking dope Mm -hmm. like I don't know if all of Hellboy is dope, but yeah. like from from where this we're standing right now, yeah. yeah, this is this is dope. And I wouldn't mind reading like a hell like a like a real a long, I don't know how long the longest Hellboy story right. is, you know, but like a nice longer story that we no, get yeah, a little bit more Abe Sapien, you know, a little yeah. bit more you know, the uh, BPRD. Yeah, yeah, Bureau of Physics and um, Pancakes. And pancakes I'm just kidding. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, let me, let's take a quick break and then when we come back, we'll finish talking about the right hand of doom. Hey guys, and welcome back to Who Watches the Watchers Hellboy Edition. You kind of startled me there. I thought I was going to intro us. Three, bro. This is my episode. Um, now we're talking about the third part of mm-hmm. The Right Hand of Doom, this collection. Um, this is where I think this becomes Hellboy mythology. Yeah, this is just Hellboy at this point. Yeah, <laughs> this is like his personal shit that he's got going on. This isn't like, um, you know, his tomfoolery yeah like solving other this isn't mike mignola being like i want to write an asian story (laughs) i want to write an english story from the 50s yeah Um, and this next story the right hand of doom i think is if any if i had to pick any of these stories to someone who is like i don't know anything about hellboy i'd be like here this one will teach you literally everything everything you need to know about hellboy in a way you know 
Um, and I thought it was super dope. And I love that we get it through essentially exposition from this priest. Yeah. Who, you know, um, I thought a lot of the panels we get between the two of them are awesome because it's just so clashing to have like, you know, this demon hellboy next to, you know, a man in the robe yeah. Yeah, and the cloths. Um, and so I really enjoyed this a lot. Um, and so we kind of get them talking about, you know, Hellboy's past and, uh, kind of where he came from and his arm. I'm sorry. I'm even trying to remember. No. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. So it, it kind of talks about like the first two, like big stories mm-hmm. that Hellboy had, which was the one with the frogs. I forget what it's called. And then the one with the, the demon and the maiden or yeah. whatever. It's like that woman that. See, this one takes a little bit of. This this definitely if you know like what comes pre pre this then you'll know exactly what he's talking about what they're referencing exactly yeah. but it it kind of breaks it down pretty beautifully within this uh, like single short story yeah and I like that Mac Mignola explained that he wrote this because nobody was asking about the hand you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean so I was like I felt like I needed to write a story because nobody was asking <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's pretty good yeah and um but I like that we get like these panels where we kind of get to see you know Hellboy through the years again we get to see him as a little boy right next to a picture of him in like a bprd t-shirt yeah you know? <laughs> as a full-grown man smoking a cigarette we do get a shot of rasputin you know the ultimate yeah baddie in the hellboy i want to read something with rasputin in it you know that's my i think that would be boy. the very first story is is i think it might be rasputin's story um but yeah i mean the the right hand of doom is like the perfect like encapsulation of what hellboy means to the outer world outside of himself yeah basically. and i think it even gives a good example of like his personality and how he feels about the position he's been put in right as a, you know this prince of hell in yeah. a sense you know i really and i mean that's like what makes hellboy so charming is the fact that he's basically you know constantly being told like you don't have a choice in this matter and his responses are always just like hey fuck you yeah i do yeah. <laughs> i ain't doing that shit i love the, the idea of him being like the prince of hell like you said mm-hmm. um but yeah, this story is very good. It has a lot of symbolism. The very last page is one of my favorite pages in this whole collection. I love it so much. The What a Life. Yep. Looks so good. Um, and then the last story we have in this collection is Box Full of Evil. And this is kind of like the direct like response to what the right hand of doom sets up Uh and it is the longest story in this uh, collection. And this is where you really get the meat of what this book is trying to portray as, as, um, as a whole. Yeah. We see Abe Sapien and Hellboy doing uh, detective work for this man who was burglarized in uh, Dugan Hill, England. Well, what makes the burglar the burglarization? Uh-huh. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> Interesting is that he used a human hand yeah. dipped in wax as a candle, which caused everybody in the house to be paralyzed yeah. all night long, which I think is cool as hell. I thought it was I, pretty dope. I love a lot of that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, like the the arbutus they were burning earlier and like those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dang, do I need to go find a human hand and <laughs> dip it in wax and see if this shit works? That's so funny. Would it not paralyze the person who lit the candle? I guess not, because he says like it it paralyzes anybody within the house. So maybe you have to light it outside of the house, or then... maybe it's just because you are lighting it, you're immune to its effect, you know, or you have like, or maybe it's yeah, exactly. That's no, let's no, let's break it down. Let's break it down. What it what dignifies a home? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Does there need to be a father figure? I'm just kidding. Oh my god. Anyway, <laughs> um, but we go on. Oh shit. 
Oh, Damn it. F- fuck. I'm just kidding. Uh, we go on and we find out that Hellboy knows exactly what he's talking about. And there's like, um, oh, he breaks, the burglar breaks into the right above the chimney and he mm-hmm. pulls out a box and some fucking iron tongs that the the owner of the home said that he didn't, he didn't know where the fuck that came from. Uh, but we find out that this burglar was paid by what are they called? Like they're they're like barons. Yeah, or something they're like, like that? the barons or something. They're um, oh, Mister Bromhead is the burglar, and apparently Hellboy's had a run in with him beforehand, and uh, he presents to them this box, this man and woman that wanted the box, and they use the key, and it's a fucking fly <laughs> that's inside, and it goes into the woman's mouth and transforms her into a fucking demon, mm-hmm. and like with her, with the demon's ultimate power, turns the husband into a monkey. Just into a fucking chimpanzee. <laughs> <laughs> it was so dope. I love the way he drew, drew the monkey, dude. Yeah. It looks so good. I kind of wish that we had a Mike McNola monkey comic book. Right. <laughs> No, it looks sick. Yeah, can you imagine if there, he did like a like a detective chimp series? Yeah. Be dope. That would be so I'm sick. I'm surprised there's not a talking monkey in like in, the, Hellboy. in the Hellboy universe. There you know? could be for all we know. Exactly. Um, but Mr. I, Bromhead... I love that Mr. Bromhead does the little, there was an old woman who ate a fly oh, little yeah. prime right here. <laughs> I thought that was like a little clever twist on like why he even was like, what if a fly flew into your mouth, but then it was a fucking demon. Yeah. I, it's like, yeah, I feel like maybe those ideas were reversed in Mike Mignola. Like he got yeah. it from that nursery rhyme. That's a good idea, honestly. Um, but basically, Mr. Bromhead knew beforehand what he was getting into because he figures out a way to command the demon. Mm-hmm. And so he takes it upon himself to command the demon. And so I guess in this mythology... In I guess most hell like demonology, demonology. Is what it is. If you can know the demon's name, you, you can, can take command. control of it, or at least yeah, tell yeah. That's a that's incredible. I think you also have to have some sort of power also on top of that because yeah. like you couldn't be like a like a five year old and just be like Belial, I well, command you. But it's like I think that's why they like keep their names so secretive, and oh. I think it's like a it's like a certain rank of demon because obviously like yeah. Beelzebub and the higher ranks of right. demons are well known. It's exactly. like just lower rank demons have to keep their names yeah under wraps as best they can. That makes sense. Um, but we see the chimpanzee hiding as they're like mm-hmm. as uh, Bromhead and fucking the demon. Does it say the demon's name? Definitely. Let me see. Where can we find the demon name? Do you see it? Uh, and by thine own secret name, Uolak. Uolak. A minor demon of hell. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I guess a minor demon. That makes sense. Um, we see them kind of plotting what they're going to do because they anticipate that Hellboy is on his way. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he is. And that's something that Uolak can do is like it, he... The demon understands Hellboy more than Hellboy does. Yeah. And so Hellboy and Abe Sapien show up and they start going through the manor. There's a couple of panels where it shows the deer head hanging in the, like, the fucking, like, living room. Yeah, like, it's, and like, watching them or something. bleeding. Yeah. Like, the, <laughs> the their mouths are dripping with blood. And then later, yeah, they start crying blood. It's fucking crazy. But there's this page that is maybe my favorite page. I think this is for sure my favorite page in the whole book. That we see them walk in, the box is open, and Abe's like, Well, they opened it. And the monkey jumps out from behind wherever it's hiding, and 
Abe says, is that a monkey? <laughs> and Hellboy says, he's got a gun. And then the monkey shoots, shoots Abe, Abe Sapien. Four, fucking three times. <laughs> <laughs> and it's dope. It's so good. Y'all should read this. This is fucking wild. <laughs> it's so good. And so the monkey drags Abe Sapien off as Hellboy realizes that he's got to fight Mr. Bromhead and the fucking Olok demon. And then they fucking fight. And and there's this huge scene where where Mr. Bromhead like uses like Hellboy's real name, which mm-hmm. is what is it? Un uh, it's long, yeah. It's Anug Unrama. Oh yeah. Anug what is it? Anug Anung. Yeah, it's a Un is it Un Anug? It's, yeah, it's it's A N U N G. Okay. A Un Anug Rama. Yeah. And so by using his name, he's able to command him, and we see Hellboy like grow his horns, and we see Kirby crackle, all the fucking black dots. <laughs> Kirby crackle, I love it. That's that's what they call it, yeah. and, and it's just so fucking it works. dope. This is literally where Mike Mignola is Jack Kirby from Hell, and I love that the crown is so simple, mm-hmm. and yet it's but it's so it's so like definitive, you know? It's yeah. So it, it, like that's like that's that's fucking his crown, man. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Defining. And then the demon assumes the power, and then, um, oh, we see Abe Sapien still dealing with the monkey. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the monkeys decided to start branding Abe Yeah, Sabian. I was a little confused about what was even kind of <laughs> happening in like, these torture scenes with yeah. Abe and the monkey. Um, and then, yeah, we see the deer heads bleeding and, and crying blood. And basically the rest of it is like Hellboy having to come to terms with, like, not being what is predestined for him. Yeah. And so Ulak kind of assumes ultimate power by turning the the fire tongs into a sword, which looks so sick. And then Hellboy's like met by a council. Like Hellboy kind of falls into a trance and mm-hmm. he's like in quotes dying and he's met by a council and there's a goblin. I love the goblin that's like smoking a pipe. Mm-hmm. Um and they basically tell him, like, just because you've been told that that is your name does not make it your name. Yeah. You decide who you are. Yeah, and what your name is. And so without assuming that name any longer, he's able to deny the command of Mr. Brumhead mm-hmm. and fight on and kill Ulak and Mr. Wait, does he kill Mr. Brumhead? Let's find out. Uh... I does he get away? Oh, he ends up in the fucking walls and he like turns into an iguana man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because this fucking shit gets crazy. Yeah. Because Mr. Brumhead's like in like debted to a, a higher demon, right? Mm-hmm. And so, fuck, dude, this book is so good. Let's keep flipping through the pages. I think it's Aster- It's Astaroth. Oh, what it is, it is, is he gets warned earlier on to not pray to Erlog wins and like don't even get him involved. He yeah. it, his his deals come with too high of a cost mm-hmm. and so later on running away he's like fuck it and he's like please Astaroth save me I'll do fucking anything for you and he's like alright lizard boy <laughs> I love that Hellboy breaks off his horns and stabs Ulok with it in order to kill him um, this book is gorgeous and dope and Astaroth meets with Hellboy mm-hmm. and he's like we have a place in hell for you whenever you're ready and he, he says I'll hold on to your crown for you 
And then he fucking rides off <laughs> and on my his... favorite panel, probably. Fuck, dude. He rides <laughs> off on his like demonic seahorse. He transforms into his true form, which is, I think it's so cool because before he just kind of looks like, you know, like, like a, a, shepherd. a shepherd or a wanderer. Yeah. yeah, nothing of true. And then you see his final, his true Astaroth form. He's just, call me. <laughs> He's like, call me, maybe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, the fucking count, the one that like hired Mr. Brumhead to bring mm-hmm. them the box of, of full of evil. Um, he was going to pray to the demon to give him like ultimate wealth and a gold crown on his head. And so that's how this story ends is the Abe Sapien fights the monkey and throws him through the walls. And in... where we had learned earlier, there was some wealth hidden somewhere in the castle. Yeah. Right. And so within the walls of the castle, he ends up dying on a bed of gold with a gold crown with a crown. Fuck. And then of course we get the epilogue, which is, it ties into the bigger, broader Hellboy story with, yeah. With him and this other agent, do we learn her name? Yes. Do we? Do you think that's the woman that's also in the Kate, Guillermo del Toro movies? Kate Corrigan, probably. Kate Corrigan. You want to look it up? See if yeah, her name's me, Kate. Yeah. Let me look it up. Nope, her name's Liz. Oh yeah, you're right. It is Liz. Okay. Well, regardless. Regardless. That's how it's. That's how it ends, and it's basically Hellboy like further denying his name he throws his mark it's written on a piece of paper he throws it into the sky and a crow catches it (laughs) (laughs) and they're both uh, she's like how are you supposed to ignore shit like that (laughs) he's like you just kind of do and uh the book's good Ooh, fuck and the book's good and the book is good and i think everyone in the galaxy should read it it's i am a hellboy head now yeah Honestly, it really made me like Mike Mignola's art a lot. And mm-hmm. now that I you pointed out, I really noticed the Jack Kirby kind of influence behind yeah. it. You know what I mean? But honestly, I I feel like it has a lot of like Asian influence in a way. I feel like he like draws when, when it comes to manga kind yeah, of Yeah, like I feel like his artwork is so manga esque in a way. And the fact that he traditionally does black and white mm-hmm. releases first just totally falls in suit with that. And I would love to see him do something a little bit more like heads, something that has yeah. a little bit more of like, like that a, kind of that kind of flair. That kind of flair too. And I think it's something that would be insanely awesome. I agree. Um, but yeah, I really do want to read more Mike Magnol and more Hellboy after this specifically because yeah. <laughs> I there was there was this was like a little taste into like what is probably a really dope universe you know what I think has been so hard for us or before we decided you know what let's let's get this book let's read it yeah um is that there is so much Hellboy out there there really is like a heavy amount of content when it comes there's to a Hellboy hell of a lot of Hellboy <laughs> yeah um there's a hell out of that boy <laughs> um but it's it. It is kind of daunting, but I think, I, I mean, we don't know well enough, but yeah. if anyone out there is interested in reading Hellboy, this was our kind of jumping on point regardless. I mean, we've seen the Guillermo del Toro movies. Have you seen the latest one? Yeah, with uh, David, what is his name? Yeah, David Harbour? Yeah, Harbour, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, I actually have seen it. <laughs> um, you have seen it? And it's funny because I would actually compare it more to like, a Devil May Cry, oh. how like a Devil May Cry movie probably should have been versus like how a Hellboy movie probably should have been, you know? Did you is... see any sprinkles of this story in that? Definitely not. Oh, wow. I For some reason, because I've seen the trailer, I saw that there is a part where he grows his like 
fire I mean, horns. A little and, bit of that, but you also got that in the Guillermo del Toro right. original yes, and yeah. with the Rasputin situation, which I think was a little bit more reflective of like the Astaroth kind of setup, right. you know, an Ulak situation we get here. Um, so I would, I think you get it more in the Guillermo del Toro than you did in whoever directed that latter. Let's find out. One. Um, I mean, it, it's not too important, but yeah. yeah no, the 2019 version. The 2019 David Harbour's Hell's Guy. <laughs> it is directed by uh, Neil Marshall. Let's see what else Neil Marshall directed. He directed Dog Shol- Soldiers oh. and The Descent and The Reckoning. So it looks like he directed like a bunch of horror movies that didn't move too hard yeah. in any direction. Um, Makes sense. <laughs> um, but I, I do like fondly like the uh, Guillermo del Toro movies. Me I too. have not seen them in a very long time. I think it's time to pick them back up again. <laughs> yeah. you know? We might need to Get a little Golden them. Army going. Maybe we'll maybe we can do a retrospective episode and watch both of those with a guest or something. Mm-hmm. We could cool. ask one of our friends to join us for that one. So, yeah. which we are working on that, getting guests in the in house, you know, yeah. so we especially can have a little, for the movie episode, a little bit of flair, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, how do you feel about these last two stories? Do you feel like if you could condense um, the right hand of doom mm-hmm. into a proper origin without having it too muddled with two previous stories that we didn't get in this story. Mm-hmm. And you could lead it into the, the second half of this the book, box full of evil. the box full of evil. Do you feel like that would have been a good translation to a film? Do you feel like this could have been a good movie? Yeah, I definitely think, I feel like those two are kind of two halves of a coin, you know right. what I mean? Or like a third and two thirds of, you know, it's yeah. the same thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, those two obviously are two halves in there. Obviously a Hellboy story where the, you know, first part of this book was like little snippets of fun right. little stories where once again, you know, we kind of talked about, it was Mike Mignola kind of jumping around with ideas. This is like, the hellboy you know and i think yeah a lot of this i really think hellboy is is a medium that probably should be animated and the reason i say that is simply because they could think do things like astroth and make it look like that you know what i mean and make it have like that scale and like that vibrance and just the color they could do in animation for hellboy or even like the fact that they could keep it more of this like grittier kind of design i think would be a huge success i think it needs to stop being tried to be translated so heavily into live action because it, no matter how good they make Hellboy look, I think it's everything else that is always going to have a hard time. You know what I, I mean? I agree. So. But, you know, when it came to a lot of the practical sets that they made for Guillermo del Toro and, like, a lot of those makeups, they looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. But it was also still very of the era of, like, the early 2000s, mm-hmm. like, post-Matrix, like, influence types, like design when it came to set design. You yeah, know what I mean? Definitely. And so, yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that it's... It's. I think Invincible has has ruined comic books into adaptations for us now. I think so too. <laughs> because th- looking at the Invincible cartoon and thinking, how could they have done this as live action? I definitely, for sure, do not want that at all. No, I don't even want to see Invincible's costume in live action. <laughs> yeah, you know what and I mean? it's like, fuck, maybe, maybe, because there is animated Hellboy stories. Yeah. I have not seen any of them. I think they're on HBO. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. They should reinvigorate that. Yeah. Maybe not. I think those need more of a day in the sun. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's the story that needs to be put into, like, theaters, you know, versus, like, maybe, like, smaller scale animations right. that they're doing, you know? I don't think Warner Brothers and HBO has the 
um, corporate capability do of that. doing something like that right now. But I don't think they own the rights to Hellboy. I think the, those cartoons just first appeared on HBO. So maybe if if uh, like a couple of years from now, once mm-hmm. we're distanced from the David Harbor film a little bit more, maybe uh, wishful thinking we could get like an animated series on Amazon yeah. from the team that that does Invincible. Imagine, and I think Amazon would be the, probably the best platform to do it because they would get the gritty art. I'm convinced they would do the gritty art style that yeah. it would deserve. You know I agree. I mean? It would be dark and demonic in the way that it would make it really just... Mm. Yeah, just really <laughs> chunk in there. Um, maybe we should get Seth Rogen on the phone and and get him to, to start talking to Mike Mignola. I'll I'll call him right after yeah. this podcast. We're just gonna hit up Seth, you know. <laughs> hit him up on the Twitter. Yeah. Um right. I think this wraps up this episode. I think next week we're going to be tackling sex criminals. Oh the big the it's not that we're big. not talking about us. And we're not talking about the sex criminals that we are. We're talking about <laughs> the perverts from the comic yeah, book. Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky's yes. sex criminals. Which we haven't read. I know. I've always wanted to read it. I know you read a little bit yeah. at the beginning of it. I've always meant to pick it up. I love Matt Fraction. I love Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. We got a little bit of extra time this week, so this yeah. is the time to do it. I think this podcast is a beautiful thing for us because we are finally getting back into comic books. Yeah. There was a while where we were out of the game. No, this is basically making me come, by, me yeah. come back into comic books and movies in a funny way, yeah. you know, and getting to hang out with you every week, you yeah. know, so it's a blessing. It is a blessing. To be here every, every once a week and do this with you. Yep. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, come back next week. We will see you then or we will see you on another time. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>